0: Hi everyone, it's Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, Day 44. It's now been 14 weeks, 3 days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading to the chips. And if you want to know, today I weighed 207 pounds, that means I'm down 18 pounds since I began this experiment, and I'm feeling pretty darn good. Today, after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'm going to do some shout-outs to new listeners, for old listeners, and a couple of bravery reports. Until we get to today's topic, why does why me hit especially hard at parties and social events? But I'm letting go Letting go, I'm letting go. It's a silent wind that never really blows. I'm letting go. Hi, everyone, welcome back from listening to Josh's song. And today I'm wondering what should I let go, and what comes back to me is the same thing I was kind of trying to let go the last couple of episodes, and that is expectations. Expectations of how things shall be, whether it's expectations on myself, expectations on others, you know, things just don't always happen the way you would expect. And I got this huge big lesson after I returned home from my anniversary trip with my wonderful husband, Mark. We came home. I went hiking on Mother's Day, actually, on Mother's Day Sunday here in the U.S. I did episode 43. I felt really great. Went to bed. In fact, I think it was Monday. I felt fine. I went to water aerobics, which is kind of a low-end type class for me. Nothing major. Even got up in the middle of Monday night, used the restroom, was fine. But Tuesday, I could not get out of bed. That's right, folks. I'd thrown my back out I guess, while sleeping. I have no idea because I woke up flat on my back in my bed and could not move. Had to scream for Mark to bring me my cane (laughs) so I could kind of roll myself out of the bed. And there I was, kind of immobile for a while. Couldn't drive, couldn't really sit too well, so I was sort of leaning myself up against walls, feeling the woe is me strain kind of bubbling up through my stomach (laughs) And I laughed and said, okay, you, go listen to your last podcast, Lori, and learn about how, how everything isn't all or nothing, and you're going to find some positive in this somehow. Well, one positive I found was that the wonderful Mark was there to actually help me and drive me around, and in fact, I had a doctor's appointment yesterday that I did not want to miss, because I'm very fair-skinned and prone to skin cancers, which is one reason why all my selfies on my diary have a big hat on my head, and I'm always wearing long sleeves and slathering myself at every opportunity with sunblock. But I had a patch of skin I was a little bit worried about, and I also wanted to see if there was anything that I could do about the sun damage that I was starting to see in these selfies as I'm going on with the show. And Boy, if I canceled this appointment, it would probably be a few weeks before I could get back in to see the doctor. So Mark took me there, so I'm very, very grateful for that. And yes, the patch I was kind of worried about on my right temple was precancerous, so the doctor was able to do her uh, freezing of that. So it should be fine, and I'll go see her again in a few weeks. So it was a good thing that I went there, and she checked out all the rest of me, and, and my rest of my skin looks pretty good. But I do want to say I was very, very sad to find out that the sun damage that's been done to the front of my chest and my neck and some of my face, that's just how it is. And no amount of, of skin treatments outside of laser work, which she didn't recommend for me, is going to make this better. So, you know, I'm just going to have to live with the collagen in my neck has been damaged and that I'm going to look a little splotchy like a Palomino pony, But that's just part of who I am. When I was growing up in the 70s as a teenager and as a kid in the 60s, we didn't really know about putting on sunblock and growing up in Washington state where it rained most of the time, we were always so happy to see any sunny day. We were like right out there, you know, roasting ourselves and putting baby oil on and and trying to get brown, trying to be in the sun. And then when I moved to California, You know, I did put sunblock on as much as I could, but I didn't really think about it like every day, like driving to work in my car, the sun is coming through. I thought about it when we were going swimming or when we were going hiking or when we were going to be outdoors. So here's a little bit of public service announcement to you. Go put your sunblock on, go go wear some kind of sun protection on your face and on your chest especially, And your hands start at a young age wear it daily just wear it daily because it's cumulative this damage to your skin and every bit of protection that you can take now will give you a better result when you're my age or older (laughs) so all right end of public service message so I guess that was also positive maybe there's some of you out there brave companions who are going to be spur like hey I think I better put my sunblock on now, (laughs) and that means you're going to be lovely and handsome young ladies and gentlemen when you hit the 50s and 60s and 70s, rather than kind of the splotchy, saggy mess that I'm turning into, but I'm still a happy camper because I think with age comes some wisdom, and I'm starting to let go a little more about that ideal feeling of my body having to be a certain size or me having to look a certain way. I kind of am what I am. And enough of you have indicated to me that you enjoy listening to me in my voice that at least I can take comfort in that despite my bicycle accident, despite my mouth injuries, despite all of the troubles I've had there, my one attribute that I especially enjoyed, that instrument for talking, has remained intact. So enough about me, on to our shout outs. I wanna start by saying a thank you to Abby on Facebook because I've been posting on Facebook the last couple of days, woe is me, oh no, I'm having to use a cane, (laughs) my back is out, oh me, oh no. And a lot of people stepped up to, to say hello to me and to talk to me on Facebook. And Abby said when when I made this weird uh, remark about, oh, I'm going to have to go walk around with my cane in order to to do a show. And she said, well, moving and grooving. I thought that's cool. Moving and grooving. So that is what I'm going to put the title of today's episode. It's going to be called, Why Me? Moving and grooving. The blues. <laughs> Because I am out here walking around Descanso Garden, beautiful botanical garden near my home, with my cane. Even though I hobbled with my cane up to the back, back trail, because it is hot as bejesus out here today. We're having a heat wave in Southern California, and when you're in Southern California, heat wave means gosh darn hot, I tell you. And my regular bench, which I was looking forward to, is at this point in time in the full sun, Well, I didn't feel like full sun, so I came on up to my hiking rock, which at this moment is nice and shady, though I'm annoyed by the couple of flies that are buzzing around me, trying to see if I got one drop of sweat on my body for them to to land on. Sorry, flies, you're just going to have to be thirsty, (laughs) but it's not too bad. There is a little bit of a breeze, so you might hear the woodpecker, you might hear some of these darn flies, you might hear birds as we sit out here and get on with more shout outs now while I was busy on Mother's Day hiking up the mountain in order to record day 43, Sunshine our new brave companion posted her comment on day 42 which was at that time the most current episode, hi Lori she says, I have listened to you up to episode 22 and I will continue to do it, I just wanted to tell you I appreciate what you're doing I just love of your voice your courage and your sincerity thank you sunshine well thank you sunshine and please go yourself back to day 42 and see my welcome to you and I want to take this moment to tell you brave companions some of you come by and post a comment and when you do I always come there and post a reply to you so if you weren't aware of that and you have had the time in the past to say hello to me in some way on the website Come back to that day and you'll see my answer and oftentimes other brave companions have also replied to you to give you a welcome or comment on your thoughts. So what I'm saying here is it's worth a return trip to CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com to see how the conversation progresses and is also possible when you are putting your comment in to click a checkbox that says I want to be emailed when anyone answers to this comment. So that way you would have that on your alert in your own email that someone was coming to the thread that you were interested in. And when we're on that topic, one of our most active commenters is Sue from the UK. Hi, Sue. But Sue was kind enough to let me know on Facebook that she's heading into a real crunch period with her work. So Sue will continue to be listening and she will post as much as she can, but you might not see her as much as you're used to. And I really appreciate that, Sue, that you let me know what's going on with you. Not that I'm such a busybody, well, even though I am kind of a busybody, but that does give me comfort because if someone who is such a regular poster as Sue just kind of disappeared, I definitely would wonder what was up and worry a little bit. Just, you know, it's human nature to wonder. And so I do appreciate that. So Sue, I hope everything goes well with your work and that you can relax take deep breaths and take care of yourself and we appreciate all of the input at whatever time that you have please don't let us be a worry to you let us be a comfort and support to you and know whether you're posting or not we care and as part of day 43 i was saying how sometimes I do wonder what happens to Brave Companions, that they post once and then maybe I never hear from them again, or they post a couple of times and and then I don't hear for a while. And so coincidentally enough, one of my favorite commenters, Stephanie from Canada, remember she wanted to have her own podcast, and she posted originally on day 27 because at that time it was the most current. And at that time she had only listened up to day five. Well, now she has listened up to day 7, excuse me, now she has listened up to day 18, and she posted there, hey Lori, this is Stephanie from Canada, in my Zen spot right now, and just finished episode 18, feeling very grateful for your help, stories, truthfulness, thank you, I don't know you, but I love you. Stephanie with XX, which is like kisses. So I love that Stephanie. Bonjour. I'm happy to hear from you and I hope that you got encouragement back on day 27 because people did post and say they thought you should do a podcast, that you have a great way with words. So I'm very, very happy to hear from you again and I hope that I will hear from you in future. I also wanted to mention part of a comment from my friend Cheryl where she was replying to the two Michelles which I'm about to tell you a story about the two Michelles. (laughs) Cheryl mentions as part of her thoughtful post on day 43 how struck she was by one line in Josh Woodward's song I'm letting go. It's the song that inspires me and was part of the inspiration for this entire show and at the end if you guys listen all the way through I always end with about 30 seconds or 40 seconds of the song, says, Am I just a guest in my own skin? And that line really struck her from the end of Josh's song. So much so that she wrote a really powerful blog entry on her own blog, Wellsprings and Dragonfly Wings. And I'm going to add the link to her post, and I'm also going to add to the show notes for today the direct link to where you can download Josh's song, I'm Letting Go, for free on his website. So please, go read Cheryl's writing and go download yourself that song because I find it very, very inspiring. Today's Bravery Report, I want to again highlight Longtime listener, Michelle, who's shared so much about her therapy experience and who actually was super brave last episode to call the Bravery Hotline and share thoughts with her voice. And first off, Michelle, besides this double brava to you, is I want you to hear what Cheryl had to say on day 43 about that. Cheryl says, I have to say it was totally cool to hear her speak her own words. It gave a sense of, see, we're all just normal people here, to the podcast. So thanks, Michelle, for being brave enough to do that. You've got a lot on your plate keeping up with two teenagers. It's really special that you took the time to do that. And, Brave Companions, despite all on Michelle's plate, She posted a long and detailed post on day 43 about the steps she's learning in therapy to delay binging. And I'm going to read part of that post, but not all of it. So I encourage you to read the whole comment to yourself, and I'll be sure and post the link on the show notes. So here's part of Michelle's wonderful post. Hi, Lori. Welcome back. I am so glad you had a great holiday and some victories in your journey to recovery. The subject of your podcast today was very familiar to me. Many times I have had certain expectations for an event or an occasion. Then when my expectations were not met, I became angry or sad. We miss out on life when we react like this, and there is the key work reacting. We must learn to accept and work with life's setbacks rather than reacting. I have to say it is weird and cool to hear my name and voice on the podcast. Hearing my voice was not as bad as I expected. In the past, something as simple as this could have led me to a binge. I wanted to share a strategy that I received from my therapist for handling the robot aliens when they come to you. The strategy is called binge extinction. And I love this term because it means the end. This strategy is very similar to what you are doing, Lori, with your podcast and by talking through what is bothering you. It's about changing the patterns in the brain that lead us to binge. Binge extinction strategies... Binge is usually an attempted solution to one or both of the following problems. One, poorly managed hunger, dietary overrestraint; Two, difficulty tolerating intense emotion. Then Michelle lists many steps that you can try, and I thought these were actually better for you to go copy and paste and print out than to just hear on the show. So go to the link to this comment and read all of these steps because they're quite good. And then she goes on with some of her results. I have had a recent success with this method just last night when I came home from work to find my fridge door had been open for hours while I was away and fearing I would have to replace all the food in the fridge, anxiety set in. The large chocolate bar in my cupboard was calling my name. I decided then and there. I looked at the clock, noticed the time. First five minutes went by, then ten minutes. The urge passed, so I decided to go to bed feeling good about my victory. Early in my therapy, the robot aliens came for me because I was so angry at the time. I was binging before I even knew it and then remembered the strategy. I may not be successful every time, but every time I am successful, I am creating a new pattern in the brain. This, the way to recovery, and by discovering what emotions and feelings are triggering the binge, is a combination of these things. So it's the same thing Lori is doing, just in a different way. Different things work for different people. For this to work for me, I am not focused on losing weight, but am focused on nourishing my body with healthy foods and feeding myself enough, because before I was not even close to eating enough for the needs and energy requirements. I am feeling good and have lots of energy. I wish all the brave companions out there to find a path to recovery that works for you because going around the same circle only leaves us feeling less of who we truly are. Amazing. Then she tells a couple of good books. A couple of good books, audio, about the brain and how it works, or neuroplasticity, are one, Super Brain and The Willpower Instinct. Then, Brave Companions, I don't usually read my own written comments on the show, but I wanted to tell you this part. This is what I said to Michelle. Hi, Michelle. I'm so glad your brave phone call didn't rock you in a bad way. Brava for adding your voice to the show. It really makes a difference in encouraging other brave companions and me. It's also fascinating and helpful what you are sharing about your therapy. I've heard about neuroplasticity, and I can't wait to look into the audiobooks you mentioned. It is really hopeful to think about brain retraining that just because we have laid down one set of habit patterns in our lives doesn't mean that we can't change. I think I stumbled onto some of this by my podcast recording. I have to identify my feelings in order to tell the story of my life with food impulses. And by doing that, I have started to train myself at all times to identify my feelings. Sounds weird, but most of my prior emotional life was numb, depressed, or rage. Knowing what I feel has helped not only curbing the robot alien attacks, but has also helped with many of my relationships. And then after my comment... Another of our Michelles, Michelle number two, who I'm now calling Michelle Mack because her last name is McKinney. Uh, She gave me, in fact, Michelle McKinney or Michelle Mack gave me the idea for today's topic. She says, I admire how rational you both sound. I could do this mental exercise if the urge occurred when I was home or by myself. But I find it impossible to locate my brain when I am at a social gathering and everyone else around me is having a great time eating and eating everything they want without any restriction or concern. I get this feeling that it's not fair and anxiety. I don't want people to notice that I'm not eating like them. I want to fit in. So I end up eating more than I want. My husband works at a winery and there are lots of parties. When you add wine, people eating all around me, I just lose all mental power. Still trying, but it's so hard socially to overcome this. Thanks for all the tips. Michelle Mack is also on my bravery report because she added her story to the Who Are the Brave Companions page. And by the way, hey Michelle, my hubby Mark says to you that your life sounds like paradise to him because he loves gardening and trees and being out in the country and he thinks that that sounds like a delightful place to be. So, Your life was inspiring to Mark, and you inspired me today's topic, because I agree with you. I think it's really, really tough when you're out socially to have that balance of, am I going to eat like a pig in order to just let myself go and fit in with my perception of what everyone else is doing, or am I going to restrict myself in order to perceive myself as being on my food plan and doing what I think I ought to do? Right, Rebels? Here we are again. We're telling ourselves we ought to do something. And you've heard the road to hell is paved with good intention. I think the road to my hell, and maybe to some of your hell, is paved with the word ought, should, have to, you know. Because anytime I hear that I ought to do something, I dig in my heels, and I usually do the opposite thing. And going out in parties and social events have really, 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 until this year and this show, been my Waterloo. As we talked about before on my birthday in Las Vegas, I was really scared of it and had success, thanks in part to the support of Listener Crystal, And other people to kind of encourage me to just eat what I wanted to eat and not worry about it. And giving myself true permission really worked for me. In fact, it worked so well that going to my anniversary, which as I described last time, we had a wonderful dinner and we had drinks and we had breakfast out and we had in fact all of our meals were were out we didn't stop at the store and buy any healthy snacks or anything like this but in some ways it wasn't quite what Michelle is describing because it was Mark and I out ourselves so Mark doesn't ever make any comment about what I'm eating or not eating or or anything so when I'm out with Mark it's actually quite easy for me to maybe eat a little less than he's eating. In fact, we're, I always eat less than he's eating because he's well over six foot tall and he's a big guy. So just to maintain his weight or even when he's losing weight, his weight loss calories to lose weight is way more than my maintenance calories. Sometimes I hate that about that. <laughs> I, I look at him like, oh, you're just evil, Mark, because you get to eat so much food when you are trying to lose weight and I can't even eat that much food If I'm trying to maintain weight, but that is the reality of the situation with us. But I'm getting a little bit off track, but when we went to Las Vegas and we were there with my friends, they're not compulsive overeaters. They don't have an issue with food nor an issue with their weight. They just always eat whatever they want and they might go a really long time and not eat because they're not hungry. And when they are hungry, they have no problem eating something. It's amazing to me, (laughs) totally amazing, to be around natural-born eaters who are around food and eat normally. So I think part of our compulsive brain gives us a skewed vision of what that is and what normal people, quote-unquote, are actually doing at parties and social events kind of like those funny mirrors in the funhouse, you know, where they could make you look really tall and skinny or short and squat or like your head was really big because the mirrors are distorted. And I think that our thinking is sometimes distorted around food because so much of our experience has been restricting food when we are good and then go in hog-ass wild when we're off of our restriction plan that we're not very good at the middle. And even the idea of telling ourselves, well, maybe we should eat in a balanced way, a little bit more towards the middle, feels like one of those oughts and shoulds. You should eat more balanced. Eat just one cookie. Don't eat 20. And my response might be, but I want to eat 20. 20 is what I want. One is nothing. Spooey on you with one cookie. But I tell you, brave companions, If you're wanting 20 cookies instead of one, it is not that cookie you are wanting. Believe me, when you're tasting food, and now I'm just going to sound like one of those annoying books that make you (laughs) do exercises, but I'm going to tell you from my experience, okay, in my experience, if there's some really super delicious, wonderful food that you want to eat, one cookie Maybe two will absolutely satisfy your wish to taste the deliciousness of the flavor. The flavor really doesn't last beyond three or four bites. Truly, it doesn't. And if you want to be brave and try this experiment, take any food that you love and sit down and evaluate how the flavors are bite to bite. It's okay to eat the whole thing. I don't care if it's a gallon of ice cream. But just find out how good that first bite is, is fantastic. And that triggers your mind to say, I think I this is fantastic. I need some more. And so you have that second bite. Mmm, and you taste it. Taste the third bite. If you're really paying attention by the third bite, maybe four, your flavor perception is starting to get bored, and it's really not tasting as wonderful as the first few bites are so that's one of my secrets if I went to the party and I see something delicious and I tell myself I really want to eat that I take a small serving of it and I eat a few of those bites because if I pay attention to the food it really isn't good anymore well not that good this be worth as many calories as it's going to be to be eating several more bites now this is very hard and this sounds an awful lot like having to write down your hunger scale and all of this something I just hate to do (laughs) I don't want to have to write anything down I don't want to log anything but in my way because I want to tell you I've trained my mind to think this through whether it was like writing down in a book or not every bite that i'm eating socially i evaluate how much do i want to eat that and if the answer is you really do want to eat that i do but i've made a bargain with myself to only eat what i really love to eat so here's a good example mark and i used to go to our favorite mexican restaurant here in southern california they're pretty darn good and i love guacamole and chips they are fresh made guacamole you know where they bring the avocados to your table and smash them down and put you know the the condiments in there that you would like and the level of spiciness and it's really a fun adventure to have this guacamole made for you at the table and the chips are absolutely delicious they are fresh fried tortillas and they're done well at this restaurant they're not greasy inside and they're very very tasty now i'm sure if you eat 25 of these chips, which would probably be my normal serving, that would be really, really, really a lot of calories. But they taste very good. And if you're knocking back the margaritas with them, there goes your judgment, and crunchy chips and guacamole hit the spot. The last time we went for margaritas and guacamole, number one, I ordered the very smallest margarita that was on the menu, rather than my usual medium. And I sipped that margarita because it really does taste good and in the past I was kind of like drinking it down to be partying on like with the party animal people you know try and drink for drink so I always ask also for a glass of water so I take sips of that margarita and then I trade off for some water and those chips are just so fantastic that I decided to eat them the way I would a fantastic dessert I would put some guacamole on my plate, and I took some chips, and I just ate them in small bites. And really, by the time the chips were gone and the dinner was coming, I had probably eaten four chips altogether, not 25. And I didn't think of it as, oh, I'm limiting myself to four chips. I just kept eating them with as much attention to how delicious they are (laughs) as I possibly could, and in between putting down my chips or my fork and talking to my friends. So that last party, it was, what is it that you want to be eating? Chips and guacamole and margaritas. Plus, I knew one of my very favorite dinners was coming, the green corn enchiladas. Love them. (laughs) So I didn't want to be overly full, I wanted to enjoy my green corn enchilada. And I combined that. I'm here to enjoy this delicious food that I don't make. This is food I do not make at home. This restaurant is fantastic. I'm with my friends. That is fantastic. I don't get to see my friends every day. So when they were drinking, I was drinking. When they were eating, I was eating. What they were drinking, I was drinking. I was just drinking a little bit less and mixing it up with some water in the glass. And the chips, nobody paid one bit of attention to the fact that I ate four chips out of the basket instead of 25 because I was eating them in small bites. So while they were munching down this whole chip per bite, I was... Maybe taking eight bites to eat my chip eventually. See, stuff like that. That comes from the intuitive eating and and so forth. But anything that you can do to fit in and feel okay and still let yourself have what you want is a great thing. And why is it that we feel this why me feeling when we go out is because we think, Brave Companions, that everybody else, everyone else in the world can eat whatever they want, however much they want, and we can't. It's the same feeling, like if you watch The Kardashians, which well, I'll be honest, I don't. But if you watch shows like The Kardashians, you go like, why do they get to live in a mansion? Why do they have limo drivers when I have to you know, go in my own car and go in traffic? How come they have life so easy And not me. Or even me and my fear of singing. How come my voice isn't so fantastic that I could go on The Voice or American Idol and wow everybody and have a superstar career singing songs and writing songs and doing this for everybody? Why is it that I didn't get that gift? Well, part of it, Brave Companions, is I didn't develop that gift. I believed people who told me I couldn't sing, and so I didn't. Now I am in communication with a singing teacher that Sandy recommended and I'm going to take a singing lesson to see how I like it. But part of this answer is it's my perception that I can't sing. It's my perception that I think all of these people at these parties are throwing down all this food and that's their normal thing. You know some normal eaters might not eat again. They go to a party and they eat like pigs and they become super full and have the pig and the python kind of feeling. And that means they don't eat again for a day or two. Those calories just kind of go away and their body doesn't tell them they're hungry again until later. So just because we're watching them eat a whole bunch doesn't mean that that's their normal thing. And actually a lot of people at the parties I noticed are not eating as much as I think because I'm putting that mirror on them. I'm putting, I guess, that mask on them that I believe that anyone who isn't on a food plan is eating a lot, has no concern. But most of the normal eaters that I've hung out with are kind of doing what I'm trying to do is they don't eat what they don't like They don't worry about it. Why would they eat food they don't like? They wouldn't. And also, why would they eat more than they need to? Unless it's super, super delicious. And if it's so delicious that they're finding pleasure in many, 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 many many bites or servings of that thing, they don't beat themselves up because they're just not going to get hungry for a while. Or they'll go out and do a little exercise and feel okay. I don't mean exercise bulimia stuff, but they just know like, oh, well, I guess now's a good time for me to go for a hike tomorrow instead of sitting on the couch. You know, that kind of thing. But it really is perception. That's my guess. I think the reason why social events are hard for us is that it triggers all of those doubts and that low self-esteem and that feeling like Nobody loves us, and we don't fit in. Because deep down, I know I always felt like an alien. I talk about the robot aliens, but I always felt like an alien. Like I beamed down into human society without the rule book. Like I didn't quite know what was going on. And I so wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to be part of the crowd. I wanted to be picked, not last at kickball. I wanted to be picked first, or at least in the middle. I wanted to be whatever it was that the other kids were. I wanted to be whatever it was the other teenagers were. You know, the peer pressure, the what we wear. In my day, you wanted to wear as beat-up jeans as possible, and it was awful if your mother threw your beat-up holy jeans away because they were worn out, because those were a status symbol in my growing up years. You wore that because you wanted to fit in with the other kids and teenagers. When we go out, even today as adults, we want to eat what the other people are eating. We don't want a glare of, I don't eat this. Just like I shared last time, I even feel bad to say, I don't want to eat seafood. And I'm allergic to seafood. But I don't like to say that because I don't want people to look at me like, you are stopping us from enjoying our seafood. We don't want you to mention it. Now, that's what I put on. I do have to say my truth. I do have to learn to deal with this. Because I don't want to sit at home and not go to parties or not go out to a nice restaurant. And I also don't want to beat myself up. And if I binge eat or overeat, overly, overly drink and eat, I do tend to beat myself up a little bit. So, I would also recommend going back and listening to episode 12 where I came up with plan B. Because plan B is really what I've been doing. And while I didn't get down to 191 by June, and there's no chance now that I'm going to, when I first started my podcast, that was my goal. Get down to 191 by June by losing two pounds a week by counting my calories. And if I had count all of my calories perfectly, I would have gotten down to 191 by June. And now I weigh 207. But Brave Companions, I weigh 207, which is 18 pounds less, I've had two big trips. I've been to every party. My whole life has gone on as normal, unlike when I was dieting in the past, unlike the two years I spent on Weight Watchers where I had to be like a hawk at every event and bring vegetables in my purse and and that kind of thing. This time, I'm living my life as best I can and dealing with food as something to enjoy as best as I can. So if you guys have some great ideas or stories or thoughts around this topic, I would love it if you would come and comment on day 44 or be brave like Michelle and call the Bravery Hotline or use SpeakPipe. Pipe. So next time you're going to go out and be part of the party, take a sip of wine, enjoy the flavor, nibble on the cheese, enjoy the flavor, Eat whatever you like and know that I care. So, brave companions, I kind of went ahead on my ending. Until next time, take care because I care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road waiting on a free ride Ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound and There I'll sit and I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin